Mission incoming. Welcome to the Hotel Picture Show. Let's do it. Episode 0074, A License to Craig. You've entered the Potable Picture Show, your podcast dedicated to motion pictures and drinking liquors. I'm your host, Kevin McRae, often known as Blarv, and I'm here to tell you that this podcast may contain mature language. On this episode, we will be tackling all kinds of James Bond-related material as we take on Spectre and feature presentation and also revisit the martini once again and Cocktail Corner. So let's head into the cantina and into the VIP booth and get today's show started. Now we're all settled into the VIP booth. Me and my cohorts sitting to the right of me, slowly adjusting his microphone up <laughs> and up. He left, I think he left his jacket inch by inch here last week. It's sitting there behind him. Yep. His name is Beer Maker Matt. Hello. I introduced him first so that he could make some sounds because he was creeping in <laughs> last minute sitting all the way on the yonder side of the room from me as a person most people like to refer to as heathen hi she likes to meow i usually have the uh, vip room door closed but i'm using that auxiliary light to, to read because I'll, I'll, the only other thing i have is my flashlight and i'm getting older <laughs> it's hard to see in the dark I have a anniversary of my birth date coming up soon. Have a couple notes on here. Well, first of all, Heathen, have you decided what your prize is yet? No, I said I wanted diamonds. No, you got to be or... sensible. <laughs> Matt, can you think of? A I'm being sensi- very sensible. Can you think of a sensible prize for her? We have a prize for you uh, in Heather's Jeep. You can get her the refillable oh, popcorn bucket for next year since we're getting She doesn't eat then. popcorn. Actually, she has been eating popcorn again recently. Yeah. She swore off the popcorn for a short time after her new story and then also after uh, the, the the deluxe theater here having real butter. But, uh, but yeah, she's really... I still don't eat a whole lot of popcorn. That's not true that. at all. <laughs> the last couple days, you've been like eating 90% of that five-gallon bucket. That's a lot the of last popcorn. couple days. I mean, the last couple we didn't times. even have five popcorn. bucket. We didn't even have popcorn <laughs> at the. No, because you were in a, you were in a, you were in one of your moods again. Heathen thought I told her to demanded made demands upon her, and uh, thought that she was disrespected. Also, she felt disrespected by the bar bitch or what do they call them waitresses. 
wench. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, why do you order something and then not bring it? I might as well not even order it. Why do even even exist? <laughs> I don't think I said all of that. But. <laughs> kind of, eventually. Once He then has a, uh, she has a reputation she likes to do. She likes, just before every Tuesday movie, she likes to suddenly get in a really bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it's a late movie and there's only a couple people in there and there's like three people in the theater and it's extremely awkward. You see, like, a couple other people. I did do my due diligence, though, in making sure people were quiet, though, which I'm, that's my other thing that I do. So I think I balanced my karma out. You said out. do a lot of times. By the way, there is a secret yeah. word today. It is not do. It is somewhat related to last week and um, Adam Jones. But I don't know. Maybe Mr. Bonds has felt this way at times as well. What else was I going to talk about? So you still don't. Uh, well, do you want a bu- bucket as your as your prize? No, because I have to share it. Well, <laughs> gotta decide because there's like a time limit. Uh, I should remind everyone at home: anytime you hear this sound, uh, that's that's fine to hit this baby or a sound of similar content. You can drink along with us. I am partaking in Rolling Rock, the king of beers that come in a green can. That's not probably true. Heineken comes in a green can, I think. And then you have the black Doesn't hand. Doesn't it come I've in never... a green bottle? You can get Heineken in a can. I've never had the black hand. That's from Speakeasy? Yeah. I had a, one of my clients, or one of my coworkers, I should say, gave this to me. I like to call her a client, but really we just sleep together. <laughs> Heathen, put that liquid in your mouth. You heard the sound. You're wearing your pink here, headphones. Ooh. I had that in the freezer for like an hour and a half. It's like a beer slushy. Mm, those are good sometimes. Mm. Some other notes I have. If you are in the Reno area on Wednesday, November 18th, come on down to the Holland Project at 6.30 p.m. and see a short film I was involved in. It is a uh, short fan film um, dedicated to Wes Craven's passing and Freddy Krueger. It's like a Freddy Krueger um, side film. It like takes place between Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and Nightmare on Elm Street 2. It's like a 10 minute bridge. Come see some um, acting that is 1% better than what you'll see in a porn. <laughs> so it's an interesting experience for me. I'm, I'm already um, I can do comedy. Like I've been in a lot of plays that were comedies. That's something I can do. I haven't been in a whole lot of dramas. That's where I really suck. This was tough because it wasn't a comedy and I was acting almost entirely against a green screen for all of my scenes and being told what to react to. And I did a couple lines to people that I was having a conversation with that also weren't there. And uh, so you take someone that is, let's say, lacking in acting skills and then you put them up against that, which is <laughs> tough in its own right, I think. So yeah, come on down. And The, the, the only thing I, I, I said, I told someone, I said, hey, it's a Freddy Krueger fan film. People are there to see Freddy. No one cares about the side characters in any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I mean, does anyone really remember most of the characters? No, they just remember them dying and Freddy doing stuff. So. Have you seen any of the footage yet, or this is going to be your first time? It'll be my first time seeing it. It's going to make me highly uneasy. No, I, <laughs> I wish mean, I could be there to see there's it. There's only going to be about six people there, which are the other six people that were in the film. But <laughs> it's still going to make me feel pretty uneasy. Um, I do have another project I'm starting on Saturday that I feel slightly more confident in. Um, mostly because it's the first project that I've had in a while that I've seen the script before. I actually just, hey, go out do some stuff. 
That's also very short, another 10-page film. Hmm. Actually, I have uh, probably the largest part in the short film, which surprises me. Um, I, the, most of the projects I get is because I'm older <laughs> than, than these 18-year-old kids doing it. But these are all people my age, so maybe they just... I keep getting um, cast as like, uh, the bad guy, which I don't really mind, but maybe. You've already been typecast. Yeah. You're too fat and ugly to be the hero. And you're not fat enough to be the funny best friend, so you could be the bad guy, being punished for your sloth. <laughs> well, typecasting is something that it's you're already uh, naturally do. So I don't know. Like I always if... get cast as a as a white male. Don't be smart ass heathen. Hit that. Baby. No, like. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Drink. For when I was in Drink! the best little whorehouse in Texas. Oh, after that, you played a whore in every other. No, my mom was like, "Well, isn't that typecasting?" <laughs> I was like, uh, "Thanks, mom." I was in high school. I was in high school, and that's horrible to say <laughs> to your daughter. <laughs> well, don't be a whore. <laughs> any other news and notes uh, before we any uh, uh, before? <laughs> We go on to our next segment. <laughs> Anything Which would be what? Say? The news? No. In film history. Oh. In film history. Do you guys know who was born on this date, November 12th? I did not write down the year. But celebrating 33 years of age, born in Brooklyn, New York. Her name is Anne Jacqueline Hathaway. Mm. Oh. I was talking about her a couple days ago. I was talking about the demerits of the final Batman film and how it had everything that I thought I would want in a Batman film because I do like Anne Hathaway. Some people don't. I was um, salivating at the idea of her being Catwoman. I like Tom Hardy. Christian Bale's my favorite Batman. I like um, um, everyone else involved in the film, the director and Alfred. And the movie was just, it was not a good Batman film, especially closing out the cycle. I like uh, Cor- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Anyway. <laughs> and Happy like- birthday to her. There was, uh, well, there was an interesting picture of Anne Hathaway's. I don't remember the title of it. It was shortly after she did The Princess Diaries, so it's way back, and it was really interesting because she went from doing The Princess Diaries to doing this film where she played like a rich, um, like valley kind of girl that would go out to the hood with her friend, and that, that was like they're living on the edge, and then she would just get like totally railed by some black guys. And you saw her titties <laughs> in it. Yeah, it was just weird because it was like a year after Princess Diaries. And then they did Princess Diaries too. Uh, it might have been after that one. And I'm going to drink to that. <laughs> Anne Hathaway's titties? That's to Anne fine. Hathaway getting railed. What do you think about Anne Hathaway? Ethan, do you have any birthday wishes for her? I like her as an actress. And yeah. I already said happy birthday. Oh, okay. Alrighty, let's head into your... You ready for your news? I think so. Are you primed and pumped? Like a... Like a... Like a, like uh, a Hathaway? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Like a classic Hathaway. Like a Hathaway throwback. A throwback? throwback Or are you calling me old? 
No, because if you're going to get railed by a Hathaway, she doesn't get railed anymore. Well, she kind of did in that one with um, Jake Gillian Hall, right? Well, she, they were in that one together. That was a yeah. that was a decent uh, romantic comedy because they just that was a decent railing. Yeah, it was. Jake can rail people. If I'm going to pay in, a, in if a I, creepy way, if I'm going to pay some money to see some railing, I don't mind seeing Jake Gillian Hall dishing it out for a white guy. So Sandra Bullock is talking about the uh, gender gap. Ge- gender gap that still exists today I love in Hollywood. Gaps. Um she was talking about how uh yes they're focused on the money part right now, but that's just a byproduct. Um she said there's a greater symptom in a lot of the gender gaps in Hollywood. She always imagines herself going to be asked or going on the red carpet and they everybody asks the the female actress about their dress and they mm-hmm. they ask the the gentleman about their uh, next part or political issues, and mm-hmm. she's saying that you know once they or their beard, yeah, once they start shifting on how they perceive women and stop thinking about them as less, um, things will start to change. And she said, um, like ten years ago, she found herself like starting to yell and get really angry, and she at um, the notice noticeability of. The differences between how the male actors and the female actors were being treated, that yeah. it was physically making her different. She's like, whoa, I gotta, gotta stop and take it's, a it's getting better. step back. Um, one thing that's interesting is that um, in some ways, well, partially because America has the most ability to change this because they export the most films of any country and their you know their films are or wanted commodities that um i think that they'll be some of the first countries or they'll be they'll they'll, they'll be able to influence that and it'll be interesting because there'll be other countries that will be a lot later for example i've mentioned how in china um flight attendants are still hired for their looks um women have to actually men and women put their pictures on the resumes and um the casting couch in China, from what I hear, is very still highly in effect. Like, if you're a female singer or an act- actress, you have to fuck someone to get anywhere. And I don't think America's as bad as that anyway. Especially with Jennifer Lawrence putting a lot of pressure on people now. The Sony leaks. Um, I just read something about even Scarlett Johansson, who's one of the you know most highly paid actresses. It came out that she was paid a lot less for the Avengers films than people thought. Like, way less than her male counterparts. Um, So, interesting. But, you know, what what the women... I I think what the women need to do is make some sort of women's union and refuse to work for a certain... You know, for for, uh, unless they get a certain amount of money. And if the studios want to go outside of that, like, they need to get, like, the top 15 or 12 female actresses and like have an agreement with each other that they're not going to work for a certain amount and the studio wants to go outside of that and get like someone shitty like uh like um i can't think of anyone right well now, i but. think the problem what she's talking about is much bigger it's just women well, you know how they're being treated the board. Yeah. and i think if they i mean i know you can't publicize people's wages but if they make it more it more transparent um what your male counterpart is making um, resume versus resume. Yeah, I know that. Um, uh, I think it would be a lot easier. 
we mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, Bradley Cooper got behind Jennifer Lawrence. Literally, no. He uh, he said that he was willing to be um, actually go into projects with his female co-stars as like partners to agree their wages together, which I think is a pretty cool thing to do. Huh. Um, I definitely think. Uh, especially for movies, it should all be in an open contract. We're going to pay, you're both um, leading stars or, you know, lead characters, and this is what we're going to pay you because you're the lead. You guys are minor characters. This is what we're going to pay you. It should be... Yeah, you're kind of talking about scale wages, but that's not, you know, people don't work for scale. Um, I know it's difficult because one actor or one banker or one... A trainer or one IT guy might have more experience than the other, so it's really difficult. But obviously, and I'm just not aware of it. Um, there's a, a huge. Gender. Oh yeah, so you're talking about in other other professions. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. really make sense. I've heard the argument <laughs> that um, I mean, there's even companies that don't really want to hire women of a certain age because they're afraid they're going to get pregnant and be out and, and be gone from work. And they're like, well, I don't want to deal with that. Like they can't give that as a reason. Mm-hmm. They'll give some other reason. Like we're going with someone, you know, like the reason I, this is, you know, different, but like the, the, the blanket excuse I get when I'm not hired for something is we're going with someone more closely fitting our needs at this time. But I'm sure that's like the reason they give women and then they just hire some, some dude that's not as qualified. But um, you know, I, I, one of the reasons, like we talked about, maybe you're going the podcast is there's more female directors and screenwriters coming out because that's been a very unrepresented segment of filmmaking, and that's going to help. We're not just going to see waitresses and nurses. I'm, and I'm sure they're the female screenwriters aren't going to be paid as much either. And they're <clears throat> um, and I'm not really for this, like the female Ghostbusters and stuff. They're, I believe, I heard they're making a female Ocean's Eleven, which. I don't know why, but well, I guess I guess for women, um, I you know they could push for more money and be like, well, no, I I know, or I'm pretty sure, or I think that if I was a man, I would get more money and demand more money. Um, I know when I worked for Bank of America, they brought me in um, way higher than any of the the male bankers. That were yeah. that were brand new. It's going to start to change because there's more and more women doing the hiring. <laughs> but it's because and I had more experience more and, and more, I was hired by a male. More and more women in hiring that will that will uh, make sure of that. Also, it's it's harder and harder to hide things because so, again, going back to the acting side of things, not just for everyone, it was easy to pay women less. Like for Jennifer Lawrence, she didn't realize she was getting paid so much less than anyone else because she didn't know. For her, it was a lot of money, like a million bucks. But meanwhile, this other dude's getting. 13 million bucks. That's what I was saying earlier is I never really was made aware that possibly just because I'm a male, I could make more money. I I wasn't really raised that way, like, until, you know, all of this comes up or people with with higher positions than me. Yeah, I think ultimately there's a lot bigger issue that needs to be resolved as far as wages across the board not just in acting um, but as far as the the studios go uh, the big films that make the most money where they can afford to pay these actresses these salaries that they want are the big action films that mostly males go to mm-hmm. um, so it, it's hard for studios to justify um, you know sp- spending money on um, you know actresses 
You would think though that that the 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 male uh, ticket buyers are going to see the yeah. the female actresses because they're if you're looking at like pretty a, sexy yeah or, like an action act you know an actress is doing like an action film but there just isn't that many of them most of the action films are still geared around yeah. like male actors mm-hmm. doing action so again that's the only one I can think of offhand again is well. Again, Scarlett Johansson, but I was going to say um, Jennifer Lawrence again with the Hunger Games movies, and she's just in a ton of shit. Um, I don't really know how much she's getting paid for the Hunger Games movies, but those movies have brought in a ton of ton of dough. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying is that it's hard to pay for most women. It's hard to pay them thirty million dollars for a picture because it's not justified. I mean, they don't bring in. There, there's not really too many women superstars. Not that there's not really many men superstars right now, but back when like Jim Carrey was making a ton of money and Arnold Schwarzenegger was making a ton of money because um, they were really big, highly paid actors, they were like superstars of their time. There hasn't been too many female superstars that like their name generates business. For example, that movie Our Brand is Crisis, Sandra Bullock, she's a pretty much an A-lister um, actress. They didn't do a whole lot of marketing for the film. They considered that w- women, mostly, but people would go see the film just because of her name. And it turned out for her and Brandley Cooper both that that didn't work, that people are getting smarter and they want to see an interesting movie, not just an actor and actress anymore. And as I said, well, I honestly... I went to go and see our Brandis Crisis because she was in it. I'm yeah. a fan of hers and I, I'm I, a fan of Bradley Cooper. I just think that we're, we're kind of past the time of the superstar, at least for now. I'm trying to think of like the last... like. Tom Cruise doesn't really do it anymore, but he was maybe one of the last superstars. I just don't know if we're going to have any more. It's too... I don't know. Well, on to the next news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a nice discussion. Also showing that uh, Bradley Cooper... Or Bradley Cooper um, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie movie that's out, or, or coming out, or Tanked. opening. Taint? Is that what it's called? No, it tanked. Yeah, it's Not just, getting it's good just yeah, no one no one care. I heard uh, I, I heard one uh review I didn't describe it. See it. I heard one review describe it as pointless. <laughs> but uh okay. hundred and one funniest screenplays by the Writers Guild of America came out and the script by Woody Allen and Marshall Brickman topped the uh, top ten. Oh, I was going to try to guess. I was going to guess like uh, one well, of the. Do you Mel- want to guess? No, I was going to. I guess- didn't tell you what the name was. Well, no, I was. I wasn't even. I was going to guess like a Mel Brooks movie, like like Blazing Saddles or something. But um, well, it- I have the list, and I. I picked- is it? Uh, so this is funny. It's not just best comedy. Yeah, funny. Because because. Um- I know Blazing Saddles is in here because I saw it, but go ahead and try to guess. Um. Uh, no, I. I- I don't want to take up time guessing. Can you, Matt? Mm-mm. Um, I have not seen this, but it's uh, Annie Hall. Oh, see, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say if it was the best comedy or funniest, because Annie Hall is probably Woody Allen's best movie, and it is a comedy, but I don't think it's his funniest. Yeah. This um, is... Well, I have all 101 because I thought it might be fun to Why be like... Why don't you read them all? <laughs> well, kidding. I just... There's there's some kind of interesting ones in here. How about give us the top five? Well, like Office Space is number 43. Okay. okay. Um, Good script. But let's see. Uh, in the top 10 was Some Like It Hot, Groundhog's Day, Airplane, Tootsie, 
Young Frankenstein, Doctor Strangelove, Blazing Saddles. Back That's where it was. It was in the top ten. See, Doctor Strangelove again isn't that super Monty funny. Monty Python of and a the movie. Holy Grail. That's an extremely funny movie. I don't know how good the script is. And uh, National Lampoon's Animal House. We're all in the top. Which 10. is a very funny movie. Um, I can't imagine the Holy Grail. The script would be well. Like I said, I just think there's a difference between funny script and like best comedy script. Anchorman was number 54. And again, that seems weird because they almost ad-libbed everything in the movie. Yeah, that's why I think, you know, Super Troopers for me would be on the top of the list, but that's one that I don't think the script would be. Yeah, it's probably Moonstruck was number 70. With Cher. Mm-hmm. And is Nick Cage in that one? Yeah. Um, the uh, Bridesmaids one was in here. Hangover was number 30. Yeah, it's probably a good script. Bridesmaids, I probably had a good script, even though I what's her name? I think it was name? like number fourteen. I've lived like everything, also. Melissa McCarthy. When Harry Met Sally was number fifteen. That's a very good script. I don't know how funny the movie is, but it's. The Big Lebowski uh, was number thirteen. Again, Bridesmaids was number script. sixteen. See again, a lot of these movies. Big Lebowski is a comedy, but I don't, I don't like laugh out loud at it like I laugh at Hangover. There's something about Mary was number eighteen. Very good, funny movie. It's going by screenplay. It's got to have a good yeah. story arc. Yeah. Caddyshack was number 25. Very good. Also, Bill Murray. Uh, I'd lived a lot of his stuff in Caddyshack. Ferris Bueller's Day Off was number 33. Pretty decent script, I think. Arthur was with number 52. Dudley Moore, I'm assuming I liked the original. That one. No, I'm yeah. assuming not the remake, which I watched <laughs> I liked part that of. One. Anchorman was. Did I say Anchorman yes. already? Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, Austin Powers. I don't, Which one? The first one. Uh, International that's, that's Man of Mystery. Yeah. yeah. Fifty-six. Which is a nice segue into our movie. Clueless was number seventy-one. <laughs> Not really sure why I got on there, but anyway. So my third news. Mm-hmm. Saving the best for last. Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm. Um, their sequels are in production right now. Fifty Shades of Darker is scheduled for release February 10th, 2017. Fifty Shades Free hits February 9th, 2018. Um, the two original act, act, actors of Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele are going to be in both the movies and they're doing... Um, they're gonna be in hot water. They're doing Up to their um, old like antics back again. to back. Fucking. They're doing the sequels. Butt to butt dildos. No, and Hathaway. Oh no, that wasn't Hathaway. Who did that? Uh, Requiem for a uh, Dream. Who was it that took the double? Ed- oh, it was uh, Jennifer Connelly took the double into dildo. They're shooting the sequels back to back. Mmm. So that'll be cool. So talking about wages, that's where they need to start focusing money is on movies like that to to help women drive a market for female leads well i'm gonna go and see both of them to what to heckle them again boo more slapping (laughs) i didn't do that you were not there with me i know but all you did was have a sourpuss after the thing saying that was bullshit but i did like the guy that played christian gray because he had no emotion like a sociopath 
I didn't say it was bullshit. I said I liked it. Everybody else said it was bullshit. I said it was right along with what I had in my head of the book. Mm. Which you also said was bullshit. You're supposed to be emotional. Well, the book alone, I was like, "Eh, that's kind of light. Female porn? Yeah. yeah, that's for like the books are for people who don't have like active yeah try, sex lives or something. Try, wrap, try wrapping barbed wire around your man's member and then putting it in your butt. Yeah, I like to. I like it hard, like rough stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I like if I didn't get a black eye the next day, then it wasn't worth my time. <laughs> All right, let's head into cocktail corner. You don't know how right you are. I see America drinking. The fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting stinking on something I stir or shake. So here in Cocktail Corner, we're going to take on the martini again. We've already covered the martini before. I don't remember for what podcast that was. It was a while ago. And if you've heard the podcast before, you've repeatedly heard me talk about that my preference is gin martinis. You will know the beer maker Matt does not like gin. He then normally, she switches between the two um, nowadays. Of course, we're drinking, we're returning the martini again because this is, I think, when you think of James Bond, you think of fancy cars, Aston Martins, things like that. You think of gadgets, you think of women, you think of the theme song, think of a tuxedo, and you think of the martini. However, and Matt, you can go ahead. Well, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and make that. We'll talk about what that is later. I was reading the story, so forgive me if I um, ramble a little bit because I don't really have this written down in the notes. This is uh, was published in The Telegraph, which I believe is a British newspaper. Um, this came out almost a year ago. And it's talking about what James Bond actually drinks because, of course, um, he, uh, there was a line of books. There's a lot of things. As far as vodka goes, he does normally drink a vodka martini, and that's what we're drinking today. That's he, probably good, and then we'll shake it again for... He uh, prefers vodka from the, quote, vodka-making regions of Poland and Russia. This is a Polish vodka. It is a Sobieski. Shake, don't stir. Shake it. Um... One thing is interesting. He then likes her martinis really, really cold. And if you go order it in most bars, they shake them really, really heavy to agitate the molecules and get them really cold. We did watch, and I think we talked about this on maybe the last podcast. There's that uh, drink show with um, Alton Brown that says, uh, don't overly shake martinis because the colder the... Well, especially with gin, because he agrees with me. You drink a gin martini. And with gin, it's all about the botanicals. And when you, get, when you chill it to a certain degree... Right. Um, you, you're not getting all that fragrance. And I would say with a gin martini, I would want it stirred um, because of that. But but I'm going to say, uh, going back to Dr. No, a 1958 book, Bond says, I would like a medium vodka dry martini with a slice of lemon peel. Shake it and not stirred, please. I would prefer Russian or Polish vodka. Uh, this vodka, or this martini is slightly dirty because they did have a dirty martini in... The movie Spectre. Also, these are lemon-stuffed olives, which I've never had before to go along with that classic uh, bomb drink. The original... Mm, let me see. He also prefers rye vodka... Or not rye, but a vodka made from grain. 
the earliest martini that James Brown, uh, James Brown, James Bond ordered in the book Casino Royale, which was the first book, was called the Vesper. The Vesper is part vodka, part gin, and also something called Kina Lilit, which I don't know. I think that's probably some sort of aperitif. I'm still gonna go on so we can we can uh, toast a little bit and then we'll have something to drink too. I want to talk a little bit more about my my report. Um, now even though Bond is known for mostly the martini in the movies and occasionally Heineken recently, there was quite a kerfuffle recently when when Heineken paid a bunch of money to be shown. The most he he drinks a lot of different things in the book, but the thing that probably comes up the most more than gin or martinis is scotch. He drinks a ton of scotch in the books. There there's other things that make uh, appearances: American whiskey, Jack Daniels, um, champagne, something called a yeah. They did drink a bourbon and Moonraker. He drinks white Bordeaux. Um, he drinks. A green star beer, an African martini, which is gin, gin and lime juice. So anyway, the point is is that um, he drinks a hell of a lot of stuff besides martinis and especially the books. I haven't read any of the books. I, I plan on reading at least one coming up, but uh, apparently his drink of choice is, is bourbon and scotch in, in the book. Or at least the most prevalent. He drinks a ton of That's shit. That's good because I like those things. Um. This article in saying, uh, basically, Bond has very few specific tastes. The truth is that the clothes, the cars, the gadgets, and even the girls are very expensive. And they all date. What is great about the drinks is they are all accessible and timeless choices. So they're just saying he's got good taste in everything. But women get old. Cars get old. But a good martini is forever. So all I have to say, I was going to drink two that I finally started new work this week i've kind of been tired um instead of going to bed at 4 a.m i've been getting up at 4 a.m it's quite a transition i do work for the airline company now so any of you potable picture people out there if you have a home or a couch for me i can come visit you for free whether that be israel whether that be venezuela whether that be kentucky i will come and visit you wink wink so that is what I'm drinking too. Mostly that in two weeks. Oh, I also have a four-day weekend paid for Thanksgiving. Although I will have to go into work that day because my direct deposit has not showed up, and I would like a paper check. I have not had um, hardly any money, but some coins and some crumbs. So I drink to that. Oh, Matt got the Diamonds Is Forever cup. That's the James Bond cup. For a lady. <laughs> I do not have any other segments or games, so unless anyone has anything else to say, we can jump into feature presentation. I might make another martini. Really, Ethan? Is well, that a surprise mine... to anyone? <laughs> I've gone two minutes and I need another martini, please. <laughs> it's rather chilly in here. No, Matt pours like that bartender in Carson City. I was like, that's a martini. <laughs> well, those martinis were like $2. Doesn't matter. Pour a fucking martini. It was half off martini, so she gave Doesn't us half a martini. Doesn't half off the alcohol. Yeah, that's what it is. Half <laughs> off martini, half martinis. All right. End of feature presentation, you gremlin. <laughs>
I can't wait for Portland Mike to come back so maybe oh, we can Jesus have Christ. an incident because I think that would be fantastic because I was not there to see it. I told uh, frequent caller, Kellen, you know, I work for the airport. He lives down in Southern California. I said, I could fly down there on a weekend now. And he's like, no, that's a four-day trip. I was like, no, it's like that's like an hour and a half flight. I can come down there on a Saturday, spend the night, leave on Sunday. He's like, all right, if you want to go really drunk to the airport. And I said, <laughs> I said, no, like... I can go there any time now, so we don't have to make this like a big event. Like we have to drink the whole city. Let's just hang out, have a beer. We don't need to burn the town down. I can get anywhere in the world now. I, I was salivating <laughs> looking at flights. Um, all right, feature presentation. I'm not going to read the synopsis for Spectre. Um, I will say that it somewhat wraps up the Daniel Craig arc of his run at Bond, starting with Casino Royale and going into um, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and then Spectre. He may do another movie. He's actually contracted for another movie. We'll talk about that in a moment. But they somewhat seem to wrap it up. And it uh, is interesting because a lot of the Bond films don't really relate to each other too much. Where with Daniel Craig's run at Bond, the movies got a little bit more serious and it had more of a story arc that went past one movie, especially this one, Spectre. This is also the longest Bond film to date with a runtime of two hours and 28 minutes. I have a couple notes about Spectre. If you hear anything interesting or you want to make a comment on it, go ahead and jump in. Otherwise, I'll be droning on like I'm giving a book report in second grade. At age, and some of these I already talked to, to uh, you know, specifically I talked about Monica Bellucci like six months ago talking about this. At age 50, during filming, and um, when the film launched, she was 51, Italian actress Monica Bellucci becomes the oldest ever actress to play a leading Bond girl, uh, beating former um, heir to that title. Her name was Honor Blackman. She was 38 years old when she starred in Goldfinger in 1964. Well, one thing I have to say about this Bond girl is she seemed to be quite independent. You're talking about the younger one, the French one. The one in this movie. Well, there was they there was technically they said there's three Bond girls in this movie. Uh, the one he had a relationship I, the French with. French one. Yeah. 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 The one that was in. Um, she was actually also in Mission Impossible, which I thought was interesting. She was in Blue as the warmest color, which has been in my Netflix queue forever because I had a film professor saying it was the best film of that year. Anyway, Monica Bellucci. Being 50, you probably know which one she was. She was the older woman in the beginning when he comes to her house. And some of those scenes were kind of cheesy. And he's like, I, I want to protect you. Like, it felt like the... The only thing that bought it for me that they could have a passion for each other is when you're at that high in your game. And it's sort of, I guess, when you're an A-list actor. So she was a married to, like, a super notorious hitman. And then Bond is, you know, has no life, I think people of that magnitude that's the only people they can be with but other than that if i was just looking at it at the surface i was like this is so unbelievable like he's gonna push her up against a wall and and um it was yeah. it was it was unbelievable but i i put myself in my mind frame that he was just using her for something or well yeah and he fucks everything he's like captain kirk of the spawn yeah. world but um yeah but also like i said you have to imagine that these people the characters, not the actors, uh, they are so at the top of their game and so unattainable that they, they probably radiate some sort of 
powerful magnetism to everyone else. Um, the other Bond girl, I don't even know who she was. She was the one in the very beginning when we see that scene for uh, for uh, Day of the Dead, and he takes her into the room. I guess she's like a really, really famous, popular Mexican actress oh. that like was a huge deal that she was in the film, even though no, none of the rest of the world knows who she is, and she has like 30 seconds of screen time. Oh, I thought it was the black chick that would, would have been the other no, Bond girl, but... Yeah, she, she's been in a few. She's she's not a Bond girl because okay, she doesn't get, so she doesn't get when... fucked. You got to be fucked to be a Bond girl, <laughs> or know. try to kill well, James see, Bond. I don't know. Let's see, but Money Penny is the one that James Bond. Okay, always so when with was the Mexican probably... girl? The very beginning of the film. So we can we can jump into that right now because one of my favorite parts of the film, and it was hard to concentrate because it was it was taking me out of the film. There's a lot of talking going on behind me and around me, but. The beginning of the film, there's like a, one of these things because I'm a there's a I've talked about things that I hate like bad dialogue, but I'm a sucker for certain things, and one of the things I'm sucking a sucker for is really long tracking shots, which is how it opens. It follows um, through the crowds and it follows James Bond in his costume, and then they go into the oh, hotel and I it follows remember. them okay. up the stairs yeah, and into the no, elevator, and yeah. even has this cool shot where she opens up the door and the camera follows them through. And they have the skeleton mm-hmm. face. Okay, yeah. Um, so she was I really like the beginning. Other than um, the helicopter thing was pretty cool, and that was real. I was uh, I was reading that they had a trick helicopter. I've never seen like helicopter stunts before. Yeah. And I guess because of the altitude that he had to fly lower than he was used to, so they were only like 20 feet above the crowd and with two people, stuntmen, hanging outside. Um, so I thought all that was cool. I thought the crowds are cool. I thought that tracking shot was cool. Um, apparently, that's not a good rep- representation of Day in the Dead in Mexico. It's more like what it would look like in Brazil, from what I read. But then there's a part afterwards where like a building is crumbling down and falling towards James Bond. It looks like such obvious CGI, and I was like, "Oh, that sucks." So there was a lot of hit and miss moments for like for that for me. Yeah, I had seen there's a YouTube video of the the helicopter and the pilot who designed it. Um, so I and I didn't even know it was in the movie until I saw it, and then I saw it doing the stunts, and I knew that was the only helicopter that would be able to do stunts like that i didn't even know that you could do that and so I, I would have liked to have seen the footage like maybe slightly less doctored like the footage you saw because there's a, there's a part in the film where like the helicopter is straight vertical like the nose is pointing up and i was thinking to myself watching it like a helicopter can't do that it would just start to free fall which it kind of does in the movie but the the helicopter itself yeah it's kind of interesting if you have a chance to see the youtube video cuz it's it's sponsored by red bull is the mm. who um payrolled the helicopter um the engine in that helicopter is souped up so it's a okay. souped up helicopter um probably the, have to, oh go ahead the rotors themselves are um fixed and very um stiff Okay. Where a regular helicopter, the, the blades are flexible, so that if a regular helicopter were to go vertical or flip upside down to do a barrel roll, it wouldn't be able to re. Uh, yeah, the, gain control. Yep. Because uh, that's what I was thinking when it was vertical. And I was like, okay, maybe a helicopter could do that in free fall, but I don't see it. Not that I know that much about aerodynamics or anything, but from what I've little I've seen or, or know I've heard, helicopters are pretty delicate objects. Even if you go and you try to fly like 
certain drones just as a hobby yeah. or like a remote control helicopters like flying a remote control airplane apparently isn't that hard but flying a remote control helicopter is supposed to be super touchy you just mess with it a little bit and it starts yeah. to fucking fall like that's one of the things i see in a lot of these movies where like a helicopter like in i think um mission impossible or something where uh you know, you bump a helicopter a little bit. Well, it can't be that much because there's winds and everything. But anyway, it's not like airplanes that can just get buffeted. Well, I, I have seen um, trick helicopter pilots. And so I wondered uh, when I was watching this, um, did they... I, I knew for sure that these were obviously real tricks. I couldn't see any CGI in any of the helicopter parts i didn't know that they were actually filming around people mm-hmm. that kind of scares me that because of heli- me. Yeah. helicopters mm-hmm. i mean they can just now, one, one thing goes wrong and it will kill a lot of people but <laughs> i mean it was it was pretty amazing i mean to be a there's a difference between um flying an airplane and a helicopter for sure now, one thing, not that it really makes it too too much less dangerous, the crowd was altered with CGI. They multiplied the crowd um, to make it look like a bigger crowd, and I didn't really catch that that much. I wasn't necessarily looking at the crowd, although I was a little bit because I thought the costumes and everything are really cool. I was kind of sad when I read that that's like a has almost no relation to Day of the Dead Mexico because when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, fuck, I want to go to Day of the Dead Mexico. That looks awesome. The other thing I was going to say, and, and I don't like it when action movies do this, and I've mentioned this before, I, I, I kind of really like Hong Kong action movies for this reason. A lot of the stuff they're doing, the helicopter might have been really um, accurate, but then they do like these really close shots and like cutaways and everything, so you can't really appreciate it. And I like, you know, action movies, like the Hong Kong action movies and action movies of the 70s where it's more like one take, so you can appreciate all the work and coordination that went into it instead of trying to make it MTV style. Well, it's kind of like um, being at um, the hot boat races where you're watching drag races um, with boats. If you're not there, you can't really appreciate like the magnitude of the, the force that they have if you're watching it on TV. If you're actually there, if you've seen it, mm-hmm. It's yeah. different. So I, I've seen well, in person a trick helicopter do things. I think that's... And so I had a, a different appreciation I for I think it. you could say that for anything, though. Like, if you're um, in a third row at a basketball game, it's going to look a lot different than it does when you're watching on your TV. You don't appreciate how enormous these guys are. Because the basketball players don't really look like football players. They look like skinny little fuckers. And then you get up there and they're... Even WNBA games, there's some, some of those players are like... That woman could literally kick my ass. I would not say anything to her. Um, yeah, until we can have, like, instead of TVs, like holograms, it, mm-hmm. it's, you're not going to be able to get anything close to real life. Yeah. Uh, next note I have, this is the first Bond film not to feature the iconic trumpet playing of Derek Watkins. Since, ni- uh, since Dr. No in 1962, Mr. Watkins has featured on the soundtrack of every single Bond film until his passing away shortly after the release of Skyfall in 2012. I did like the sky- soundtrack to this film. I'm kind of a sucker for that martini jazz kind of thing. Don't know a lot about this particular uh, trumpet player. <clears throat> Spectre, which makes, uh, well, it's the name of the film and is very prominent in this film, 
Spectres existed for a long time in the James Bond universe. I was recently watching, um, I think, uh, To Russia With Love, which was like in the 60s with, with Sean Connery. They talk about Spectre. Spectre and the earlier Bond film stood for Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. James Bond creator Ian Fleming originally had the acronym meaning slightly more simply the Special Executive for Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. I didn't even write what it stood for in this film. Something sort of similar, but not as cheesy. Yeah, I don't think they actually said it. No, they didn't. The first James Bond film to feature the Spectre criminal organization was Dr. No in 1962, which was also the very first cinema Bond film, but based on the sixth Ian Fleming Bond book. Uh, the first of Fleming, uh, Fleming's Bond books to feature Spectre was the novel Thunderball in 1965, which had been based on a screen treatment by Fleming. Uh, this is the seventh James Bond film to feature the criminal organization Spectre. Also, I'm going to have to look forward because I can't remember the guy's name, but the, but the, the guy that Christopher Waltz plays in this film, he's been in several uh, James Bond movies, not not Christopher Waltz, but that character. It's it's what um, Doctor Evil is based on with his white cat. We've seen him in all all kinds of things. But of course, this is Christopher Waltz's first. I think there's three different people that have played that character. Um, talking about action scenes, and I think this was they did this a little better as far as filming it um, more. With, with fewer cuts, I appreciate it. I'm not, like, a big fan of chase scenes because I've seen them all. Once you've seen, like, a face-off or, uh, uh, you know, it's just hard to it's hard to appreciate chase scenes. But I did like this one. The Rome chase sequence between Bond's Aston Martin and Mr. Minx's Jaguar marks the first time two prototype vehicles, which are ones not intended for production, have been featured in a Bond film. Um, that Aston Martin, I think only ten were made. And I don't know too much about that Jaguar. It's also the first time any prototype car has been used in a Bond film, so that makes sense because that's pretty redundant. Like like the chase scene a little bit. I thought it was thought it was interesting. I like cool looking cars. Um, I was trying to think if cars that had that low of a profile could actually drive down stairs. Yep. <laughs> but <laughs> um, this is the third Bond movie featuring actor Jesper Kristen, who appeared in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. He was the guy that I believe shot himself in the head. He uh, he has the record, I guess you call it the record. He is the only villain to appear in three films as the same actor. What else do I have written here? Okay, this is talking about... Um, how did you guys like the, the theme song? Writings on the Wall, the, the opening credits with, by Sam Smith. I liked it. Did you like it, Matt? It wasn't that memorable to me, but I've heard some things about it, yeah. Um, it, honestly, I, I guess I just don't listen to the radio that much. I guess the song is huge in Britain. It's only my second time hearing it. The first time I heard it is because um, I wrote like a little piece about it on Facebook and the site I write for. So when the song became available, I went and I listened to it. There's a bunch of shit about it. And I was like, well, I don't think it's that bad as everyone's saying, but I don't really care for it. But also, uh, I, I should say I'm not like a huge fan of Sam Smith personally. I don't think he's bad or anything. It's just... It's like when you don't like a certain kind of ice cream. For me, it's just not my flavor. Um, I don't. I think he's a talented singer, just not my thing. 
hearing it the second time, maybe because it was a little bit familiar and going along with the title sequences, which I really like watching the title sequences in the song. I, I liked it a little bit. Uh, my note on it was that for a while they didn't know who, who the singer was. Sam Smith had to actually keep it secret. He'd recorded the song back in January and he couldn't um, admit or, or release that he had, he had done the James Bond song until a couple months ago. But it was rumored that maybe Lana Del Rey had done it. Um, there was rumors that Sam Smith had done it. Rihanna, Sia, Ed Sheeran. They'd all been a list of singers that um, were in contention or rumored to have done it. I did mention Rihanna. Oh, there was also a rumor that Rihanna was going to make a cameo in the film. In the end, it was uh, Sam Smith that did the song, The Writings on the Wall. And um, here is what I have to say. I'm just going to open up the floor while I talk. This goes to both Bond Girls and theme songs. Any thoughts on them going forward or in the past? One of the things I, I was going to say, I haven't been... It's not like any of the Bond songs have been done by super famous people, really. or And only a few of them have been pretty iconic, like Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. And um, what's the other one that, that's pretty big? I, I like Adele's Skyfall. I always I forget about it because I only hear it once in a while. And I heard it at the Cheesecake Factory. And I was like, oh, yeah. It's a pretty, but, I mean, Adele's a pretty amazing singer. Mm -hmm. um, what I would what I would like to see personally, instead of people trying to go with flavors of the month like Quantum of No Casino Royale, did uh, they had Chris Cornell, who was one of my favorite like male vocalists, but it's like eh, it was weird listening to kind of a rock version of a because usually they're they're jazzy, they're more retro throwbacks. Um, I think the you know the Madonna may have done one. Uh, I would like to see like it be more an event, like a band that doesn't do that many things. Like I'd like to see, and especially I'd like to see like maybe a British, keep it in the British tradition. I would like to see maybe Rolling Stones just come out and do one song, not an album, and just be like, here's, a, you know, if we are going to do a rock version or a blues version or something like that. Right. Um, <clears throat> before you 2 suddenly started putting out albums, it would have been cool for them to put out something because they hadn't put out something in like 10 years. I, I, what I'm saying is I'd like to see someone that's, not necessarily in the mainstream right now, like Sam Smith, he's the flavor of the month, he's really big. I'd like to see someone that isn't, even have Paul McCartney come out and do a song again. He did do um, Live and Let Die, but come back and it's not like he's out in the limelight all the time. Um, I'm trying to think of other people like that, though, to be like a huge deal. Like, I remember this is quite a bit Steve off. Steve Perry. This is quite a bit off. He the, would be a good. This is quite a bit off the topic, but uh, back when Rolling, uh, sorry, back when Guns N' Roses were like, the, the, the hugest rock band in the world and their album was delayed and delayed and delayed and then they had a song on Terminator 2 like I went shit for that I was like I gotta go see the movie so I can hear the fucking new Guns N' Roses song <laughs> which is also was a cool movie but you know something like that where you're like waiting for someone to put out a song not someone that's just not out there all the time like I, I'm trying to think of some other people that are possibly still alive like is Tina Turner still alive? Yes. Yeah. Like someone like that. She'll be alive until probably like 98, I'm <laughs> sure. She's a cyborg. Yeah. And then and the her other legs are still amazing. The other thing I was thinking that would be kind of cool in a gimmicky way is, and it kind of go, goes along with the Rihanna thing, if they had a girl that did the theme song and was also a James Bond girl in the film, like Rihanna could be a Bond girl and sing the song. And I think she's got the. 
at least the chops to do the song. Well, I guess she could. Or like Beyonce. She could, maybe she doesn't act. I don't know. She was in Battlefield um, or Battleship. Well, does that? That was based on a board game. They don't just give those parts to anybody. Really? I know you love her, but I'm just gonna say she's got a weird <laughs> forehead. But yeah, she's got like a forehead of like someone that was born with like fetal alcohol syndrome, something like that. She's got a weird looking like a like she's half alien. I mean, that's not like a deal breaker. I, <laughs> it's not because I can just cut, put a bag over your head. It's fine. Um. I think she's uh, looks really amazing with her uh, natural curls. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. That's probably I said that last week. Yeah. In like two weeks in a row, someone else has a crush on Rihanna that isn't me. Um, of course, every people that listen to the picture show knows that I have a fetish for Scarlett Johansson. I could see her as a Bond girl, not singing the song though. I've heard her sing. Nah, she can't do the theme song, but. <laughs> What about uh, Ronda Rousey as a Bond girl? No. <laughs> Anne Hathaway. There you go. Anne Hathaway, I don't think, is sexy enough to be a Bond girl. I think she is. I think she's attractive. I don't think she's, she's sexy. sexy enough. Worst, I think she worst is. Worst Bond girl ever was Halle You Mary. were just talking about yeah. everything about her. And I like her. I, I think, think she's... Like, I like her like... Um, like, I wouldn't sit there when I was 14 and, like, jack off thinking about her. I'd just be like, she seems <laughs> I like... I like her like milk does. If they're offered, no, I'll eat them. No, 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 because I'm that way with anything. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean, I, I, I do, I mean, I think, I don't know. She doesn't exude sexual appeal as much. But I, that's part of Well, I like with her, her short hair, not so much. But when she has she's, long hair... She's got nice legs. She's got a cool smile. She's got nice hair. She's got pretty eyes, but like nice teeth. Yeah, but I mean, that's like, oh, I wish she was my sister, not like, oh, I want to stay with She doesn't have hips or now. There's certain people I can look at, male or female, and say like that person was crafted very well genetically, but it's not like, oh God, I want to stick my (laughs) dick in them. Man, I'd like to take her home and make some babies. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to make babies with her, but I wouldn't enjoy it. So genetically, yes, but... Yeah. You don't float my boat, Anne, but I think you got good stock. <laughs> Damn. Brad Pitt, too. If I was female, I'd let him inseminate me. <laughs> I don't know. I think Brad Pitt is way better than Brad Pitt. I know you've said this. you said this before. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you have. Yeah, I think I think. Well, yeah, it was a question we did on the podcast. We said, "Who would you be gay for mm-hmm. if you had to choose someone?" Yeah, I'd probably choose someone more gentle if I had to change my answer. Like Neil Patrick Harris, he probably. <laughs> I've picked him for many other things. I might as well pick him to go gay for. No, he he could be. Uh, he seems shy and bashful on the outside, but me hardcore on the inside. No. You never know. Also, he's experienced, so he'd be like, "This is your first time." I'm going to do it like a magic trick, like pulling a coin out of your ear. Except for so. it's going to be a dick going into your butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, any other ideas on Bond Girls or theme songs? We're bringing it back. I was listening or was watching an interview with Smith. and uh, They're on a last name basis. I just can't remember his first Sam. name. Sam. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a tough name. <laughs> C. M. Sia also, who was, who was mentioned. 007. You know, 008. 
uh, 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 Sia, who was mentioned on here, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Matt, but I don't want to forget. She is, I think, outside of Adele, my favorite current singer yes. right now, Sia. Sia is, yes. I don't listen Amazing. to her. I don't buy her albums. I don't know any of her songs other than like the three that are on the radio. But her voice. Every time I see her, it's amazing. And so. I like the idea of having a surrogate performer. Anyway, back to uh, <laughs> to Sam Smith, Matt. Um. So yeah, b- before they actually figured out he was going to be doing the the theme song for this, um, he I guess just had his crew, um, and said, "Hey, I'd like to do a Bond film at some point, or do a theme song for a Bond film at some point." Uh, and was expecting, you know, not this film, but the the next film, mm-hmm. uh, and they got, I guess, a response back pretty quickly, and uh, they set he sat down with uh, what's her name, broccoli. I don't know. She's like broccoli and cheese. Nah, she is like the reason why we have Bond films. She's like behind oh. every single one okay. of them. Uh, the, the the family owns all the rights to the Bond films. Okay, Spectre um, was a film that they've been trying to make for a long time, but it was one. It was the only um, film that the Broccoli family didn't have the rights to. Um, Fleming had sold the rights to it when he was trying to raise money to write another book. Well. This there is a book called Spectre, but this is one of the only Bond films that isn't based on a book. There are parts taken from other books, but the plot line is a totally original. So maybe just to get the rights to the title, maybe. Yeah, and and they're all <laughs> short stories, aren't they? Are they? I don't, probably. Yeah. I mean, um, at some point, this is going off target a little bit, and why I'm more trying to talk about just side topics. Eventually, and I've. This was one of the side podcasts I, I wanted to do was go through each Bond film in depth. I've just been waiting on that. And, and to prepare for that, I'd like to read some of the books. Yeah, I did read that he was, uh, I don't remember the whole story, but he, he like went to a studio in London secretly and recorded the song, like I said, in January and didn't tell anyone. And, um, and it's cool. He is British. So there's that. Not that, you know, you need to be British. It's not like this is a British films. It's just based on a British guy and a British guy that wrote some books. Yeah, I mean, they have had a lot, a lot of British people do it. Tom Jones. Um, yeah, this is the first Bond song to to reach number one in the charts in Britain. I'm surprised the Dells didn't, but again, it didn't do that that good here. It's a good song. I thought this was interesting. I read this in Cinema Blend this week. This film actually broke a Guinness World Record for largest on-screen explosion. Uh, there's one guy that was awarded the award. He was the, uh, I don't know what his <laughs> title pyro- was. Pyromaniac. Awarded the award. <laughs> um, the explosion took 73 pounds of explosives and 2,224 2, gallons of fuel to explode. And it's kind of weird because the explosion, this was towards the end, like when they explode the, yeah, the crater the facility. Yeah. It was another part in the film. I was like, that looks so fucking cheesy. <laughs> like it just, it looked like, the people were obviously superimposed, you know, looking at the explosion far away or walking away from whatever they were doing. Bond and the and the French girl. That's kind of my last note. I'm going off topic a little bit now because of, as I mentioned earlier, Daniel Craig is was signed on for one more Bond film. Uh, he may not do it for multiple reasons. One, he doesn't sound like he wants to. 
as I mentioned on the podcast, he quoted, I would rather slip my wrist than play Bond again. Also, there is some studio difficulties. We, we had a lapse in Bond films for a while because I think it was financial problems. And now I think there's some sort of like a, a agreement where that maybe I, I don't really know. I didn't read all of that. But I want to go back into history with other Bonds who had some similar predicaments. In a 1971 interview with the BBC to promote the release of Diamonds Are Forever, this was Sean Connery's sixth Bond film, he compared the experience of starring in the franchise to just being a pawn. He left, and after making a series of bombs and duds, he returned 12 years later. Um, At the time, before he left, he said, I've got other things I want to do. I have no desire to have 100 million pounds. So yeah, 12 years later, after suffering a series of film flops like Meteor and Cuba, he was back enjoying his martini shaken, not stirred, and never say never again. Some people are saying this may happen to Daniel Craig as well, because all the movies he's done by himself uh, haven't done very well. Probably the most successful one he was in was uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the American version of it. Mm-hmm. He was in a film, Defiance, which I heard was pretty good. It just didn't do that well um, domestically, or... Um, Financially, it's been in my Netflix queue for a while. I haven't watched it. He, uh, there's some other problems he's going up against. This is the first Bond film that Daniel Craig has been in that he hasn't been shirtless other than in the opening titles because he's like 48. He said he had to work like the fuck out of his body. He said he didn't do anything special. He had no tricks. He had no diet. He just had to fucking work hard at age 48 to, and I, you know, not that I go great gay for Daniel Craig, but at the end when he's wearing like his tight shirt, and I was like, man, he looks like a football player. Like if you've ever seen a football player walk around, like he's not like huge or yoked, but he's just like solid looking. Um, that was one reason he didn't want to do it was the work having to put into it. Two, he said uh, something he he's had every time he's done press for these films, he's had like a lot of shit to say. I think even the first one, he's like, so he's an actor that makes a, a lot of money. He's a serious actor, so like the first one, so he is a serious actor that makes a lot of money and doesn't want to continue because he has to work out. That's, that's not just one. I mean, he's almost fifty. That's my like second said. husband. But, <laughs> really, like during the first one, people are saying, "What do you think about Bond?" What he's like, "It's just a movie. This is just a movie. Like this isn't groundbreaking cinema." For another one, he said something like, "Bond is repugnant. He's a womanizer. There's nothing to look up to him. He just uses people like tools. Uh, he's misogynistic. This is a horrible person that has no redeeming values." Um, but then later, like recently, he says, okay, some of those quotes were taken out of context. I love playing Bond. I just don't want to do it anymore. It's hard work. I'm too old to play Bond. It's time to press, uh, pass he it doesn't, on. He doesn't want to work um, out. Well, also, as I he said, he's a, quote, serious actor, quote. So there are people that disdain doing film and rather be on stage doing plays, but... Uh, Plays don't, even if you're like starring on Broadway, those don't pay the bills, or at least buy your house in Malibu. I'm trying to think of some other things. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with him. No, that you're, you're correct. Um, Bradley Cooper uh, did how much training for his films? Yeah, and he's like 30. Yeah. He's not 50. Well. Also, he's not stuck in a franchise. Like, for the most part, people... 
either get scared of being in franchises because they think like for a good example is um daniel radcliffe he was the dream role at eight or whatever to be in harry potter but by the time he'd done nine films he's like shit am i gonna have a career after this like is anyone gonna cast me in anything because everyone and that's why he started he did he was naked in a play he just started taking these roles to break people's minds out of that but who knows once you okay but we're talking about the 50 year old guy he should do it one more time and then be done well, as I as I mentioned earlier, they wrapped up the bow pretty well. Where they, I, I I think that they don't necessarily they can continue Bond, but I think they wrapped up the Daniel Craig um, arc pretty well. I mean, he he drove away with the girl, sort of, not really, but yeah, he did. Yeah, he kind of stole gave, a car and he drove away. I mean, the symbolism in the end of the movie was he gave it up for mm-hmm. a girl. Which is kind of cheesy, but. Uh, so our next Bond, we may have a black Bond, Idris Elba, a lot of people are looking into. Um, probably won't happen. Daniel Craig had something to say about that as well. He got a lot of backlash saying he was too dark to play Bond. I think they're probably going to have a young, younger British actor. Yeah, I think one of the other ones, I can't remember his name, he was in... Um, uh, chick with Angelina, uh, the film with Angelina Jolie, it was another oh, action yeah. film. Oh yeah, The Unbroken? Yeah. Was it that one about the no. World War Two one? No, no, oh, no. Oh, no. the one in, uh, bu- uh, not Bullet, with the... Yeah, yeah. I don't know who that was. Wanted. Yep. Uh, Which was based on a graphic novel. Yeah, I think that It might be it. cool if uh, Bond changed to a girl. They've talked about that, too, and then and, um, uh, everyone's the come out. And the female that was in the last, the, the Bond movie we sh- just saw... She would be fantastic. Um, they've already done that. It's called La Femme Nikita. <laughs> yeah. But they're talking about the actual franchise. Yeah, the other thing that would be hard, you know, um, they'll probably keep the franchise going. This movie made a bunch of money. Um, it, it was, I, I might have it in here. No, I don't. But it made a bunch of money um, so far. Not as much as Skyfall, which was also very huge. So companies only worry about that. But eventually, you're running on nostalgia. So one movie, which wasn't as good as this, but was better than I thought it was going to be, was... Uh, what was the film called? Um, Secret Secret Service? Uh, God, what was that film? With the, with the kid? Um, Her Majesty's... God damn it, Matt. Kingsman? You know Kingsman. Kingsman, I think, is going to replace... James Bond because people are only going to James Bond films because it's just it's the same thing as Saturday Night Live like Saturday Night Live sucks but people keep doing it because it's like oh my god they got this huge cameo they got this huge they got Donald Trump to to host it by the way he then uh, biggest ratings in SNL history since 2012 (laughs) that Donald Trump episode uh, which is I think one of the reasons they did it but eventually you can't go on nostalgia forever especially when there's an alternative so I think Kingsman was going to be the next thing because mission impossible is about done i mean i don't think tom cruise can do another one they will try to continue james bond but there's only three books that haven't been turned into movies and just what else can you really do uh when i moved up to reno and skyfall came out which was a great james bond movie i tried to get a bunch of people to see it and it was mostly girls and they'd be like well i don't like james bond movies i was like what's the last james bond movie you saw i'd be like octopussy i was like that was fucking like 1986 like this is different 
This is like a more realistic James Bond with acting, and it's not as campy. It's like a real film. It's like a real action film. But, I mean, how much more can you push it? So, Heathen, you already started talking about this, but so what are the pros and cons if you were in that situation? It doesn't even have to be that situation, but when you're getting paid a shit ton of money to do something that your heart isn't in, like... Either put yourself in Daniel Craig's position or put yourself in another position. Like, say you were getting what? What? What is something you really dislike? I, I'm trying to think of like if you if you were a, 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 a an exterminator, if you were paid a shit ton of money to be like an exterminator, you like you don't like this job, but you're getting paid for it. Mm, I'm not going to get any other well, job. So uh, no, I'm a banker. So I would say um, put me in a teller position. Oh, it's such a horrible position for me. And if I mean, you're that's being like, paid, uh, if you're being paid a lot, and also the other problem, like yeah. Matt said, is you're stuck in it, and the redundancy of like, for example, for you, mm-hmm. you're in a teller position, but I can do so much more. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm sort of in this position now. I'm starting a new job, me and I'm too. thinking, okay, now I'm a peon on the bottom, and I have so much to offer. And what is my burnout level? How much can I push this job? And be satisfied and be able to do it. Right now it's money, which I need. And it's got benefits. But I know, not because I have an ego, which I do, but I don't so much in this situation. I know walking to that building that I am better already off the bat than 90% of the people there. And that's kind of off track. So anyway, you think Daniel Craig should do one more movie? For what reason? Because of the money? Uh, money and um, he can do it. He's got uh, like one more movie. If I if I if but he doesn't want to. If I was what him, I would that? say one more movie, well, it, and that's it. it. I'm like done. Five, at least five years in between films. Another thing that was interesting is this director uh, said he was done with Bond movies too. He oh God, I'm trying to remember some of the big movies he directed. He 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 did some really big movies. And he said he was done with Bond, and then he came back. I don't think it was for the money, because he did... God, fuck, I can't remember. He, he won, like, an Academy Award for one of the movies he did. Um, no, no, I've lost my train of thought. Too many martinis. Oh, this this is somewhat unrelated, but we, we've talked about on the podcast before how bands go out and they don't want to do their, their hits because they're tired of playing them, but the fans want to see them. Daniel Craig is in this position a little bit too. He is uh, one of the most favorite James Bonds, like as far as across demographics and polls and everything. Sean Connery is very popular. Daniel Craig is has been very popular. And what's interesting about that is when he first came in, there was a huge backlash saying James Bond can't be blonde. James Bond can't be, quote, like, not ugly, but... Daniel Craig is considered somewhat ugly compared to, say, like, Pierce Bronson or uh, mm-hmm. or Timothy Dalton or something like that. It's why I like him. He's he's more realistic. Uh, if you really look at him, he's got big, like, floppy ears like me, and he's kind of weird looking. But, again, he's got that thuggish. From what I've heard, he's more like how he's in the book. He's got more of, like, an animal magnetism instead of, like, a charming pretty boy kind of thing like Timothy Dalton did. Uh, for women, animal magnetism is different. 
And I in mean, my it, mind, when you say that, it's different. Well, like I said, I when he's s- moving at the end of the film and he looks like a football player, he's not prancing around like like Orlando Bloom or someone. Like he's he's moving like he can take command of the situation, not like. I'm going to use my wits to get out of this in my witty banter. He's like, no, I'm going to fucking fuck the girl because I want it. And I'm going to kill that guy because he's going to kill me. That's what I'm talking about, like animal. It's like primal. Right. He doesn't really seduce anyone. Even when we're going back to that scene we're talking about with Monica Belushi in the beginning, like he just pushes her up against the wall and he's like, basically, I'm going to fuck you. I mean, that's the two options. And there's one option and you're getting fucked. There's men coming to kill you, but I'm going to fuck you right now. It's not like, you know, um, in the other Bond movies where he's like, well, I've got an itching in my pants. Maybe you could reach down there and help me with it. You know? He doesn't even, he doesn't talk. He's just like, no, this is happening. I'm breathing in your throat and we're fucking. (laughs) You don't think so, Heathen? He's... I kind no, of agree with what I you're think, saying. I think a lot of women would like that in their lives. Yeah, but you were just saying that, that you don't think he has that, though. Uh, no, not the current character um, from what I saw. But, but you're also not familiar with the other Bond movies to compare no. it to. Um, yeah, a lot less talking. But that's how men are. That's how men should be. Like, mm-hmm. I'd like take to be your like woman. That. Stop talking. It's what Bill Cosby did. Take your... Maybe he should play the next Bond. And... What are you uh, talking about? I got a gadget in my I'm pants. I'm done. <laughs> my sweater could hypnotize me. <laughs> what are you going to say, Matt? I can't do a Bill Cosby impersonation. No, really? All I do is talk like a drunk, which is not how Bill Cosby talks. No, I think you're... You're kind of dead on with some things, but... he yeah, Bill Daniel Craig is a racist. Is, Daniel Craig is um, no. not my f- favorite, um, but I can see why you like him. Because I go that way. He's my type of guy. I don't know. And I, I, one of my favorites is, like most people, Sean Connery. And mm-hmm. it, he he does have more of the charm and the um, he can, you know, charm the, the pants off of women, whereas... He did, but Daniel- my, but my, my... Kellen, again, who... If I was going to do a James Bond podcast, I'd love to do it with. He He loved James Bond as a kid, and I did not like James Bond movies until I was about almost 30. They were just, I again, I didn't like older movies. I didn't like movies. I couldn't appreciate movies that were somewhat shitty or dated <laughs> until later. And I was like, oh, that's actually, this is pretty cool. Like, I wasn't able to um, enter the rules or the reality of that universe until until I was older. You know, when and I, was, I agree with you. Yeah. When I was younger, I was like, "This is so unrealistic," and this, there's no titties in this. Um, like oh, Octopussy was such a disappointment. Way. I remember trying to watch that on HBO, and I was like, "There's no fucking pussy in this." But uh, anyway, <laughs> Callan said that Daniel Craig and Sean Connery are the closest bonds because he does say that Sean Connery, um, out of the other ones like Timothy Dalton and uh, um, you know, um, like Roger Moore. Even though he he did talk more, he was a bit more thuggish. He's a tall guy, taller than he seems like. He's like 6'4". He's a hairy fucking brute. I mean, his um, he's got a carpet on his chest. 
he talks a little bit, but he he does take th- matters into his own. I'm trying to remember what movie I watched recently where he's like kissing a girl on a boat, and she's like, "Well, I better go home," and he's like, "Well, no, we're gonna fuck first, and then I'm gonna answer my phone." Like <laughs> he doesn't he he doesn't really give her an option, and she's like, "Okay," talking about women's roles. <laughs> Women kind of like that. But I did like talking about equalism and Heathen talking about this girl possibly being the next James Bond, which wouldn't work. I did like that she was a competent woman, which there have been Bond girls that have been competent because a lot of them have been assassins. But usually they've had names like Pussy Galore and things like that. But there's like a scene where uh, Bond tries to teach her how to use a gun. And she's like, I don't like guns. And he's like, well, this is important. I want to protect you. And she's like, I, I don't like guns. And he's like, here, just here's the sights. Here's the trigger. And she like, you know, takes the, the gun apart really quick. And then she tells him a story about how she she alludes to that she had to kill someone when she was 12 years old. And she's like, that's why I don't like guns. And then 90 seconds later, you see her come to Bond's rescue, mm-hmm. um, shooting and trying to hold her own against uh, Dave... What's his name? Dave Batista, who we saw recently in Guardians of the Galaxy as Drax the Destroyer. It was interesting to see him. Uh, he's also like the third or fourth wrestler to play a bad guy in a oh. Bond film. He only had one line in the movie, which was shit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, that's not a line. It's a word. Well, yeah. He only, he only had the, it is a line. It's a line. It's a line. Uh, I wanted because I don't always know what heathen. That's my line. Shit. I don't always realize what heathen sees in the movie. I wanted to say something like because I, I love Guardians of the Galaxy when he's like, "Your words cannot go over my head. I am too quick, and I would catch them." Because that's what he says in like Guardians of the Galaxy about because um, he's so literal. So did you know that was the same actor? Do you know that was Drax no, the Destroyer? I didn't. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, he wasn't blue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so. okay. Okay. Now we're You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. The yeah. guy that wanted to kill the chick? Mm-hmm. Jack said a story. I might, maybe I'm getting his name. Yeah, one of the main guys in The Guardian. No, I, I understand. If I had my poster up, I would point him up. So... Let's get the poster I'm up. done with... Uh, I'm done with general topics. So anything... When it, do you want to talk about the movie in general? at all before we go into ranks now we're done because we're running out of time i do have ranks i need you guys to decide who are going to do these ranks they are um they are sexually i'm sorry you know where my head's at (laughs) say i was q and one of you was a double o agent rank these items as spy tech that you would like to have. So I think I'm going to go, if Matt has a list, I'm going to go with Matt because Heathen's ranked the last few. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with Matt. So Matt, I'm... Why? Because Matt... I want to rank him too. No. You can say... We'll talk about the end. We we need to wrap these things up pretty quick. Uh, Matt, I'm Q. You come into my uh, tech laboratory. Pick those items from five to one. Depending on the one that you think would be most useful on your next operation. I'm sorry. Fifth being least useful on your next operation to one being the most useful on your next operation. Oh, and the list is grappling hook boot. It's a boot you wear that has a grappling hook. Two is an acid squirting dildo. 
Three is a dog collar with hidden camera. I did not specify if this is a human dog collar or a dog dog collar. Right. <laughs> a robot squirrel. I did not specify how realistic the robot squirrel is. And five, a box. This goes along with the Bill Cosby thing, I suppose, is Bond. A box of Jello that expands to ten cubic feet of foamy material with just a few drops of water. All right, Matt, go. What's your number five? So you had got to get on in your mission in right. ninety seconds. So this is yeah something that is gonna save my life. At the you know you don't even know what your mission minute. is. They're like Matt, you got to go to Dublin. There's a terrorist threat. Uh, I would probably say number five is going to be a robot squirrel. All right. Really? Because it doesn't I specify what is the robot squirrel do. Is it just sits there and does It could nothing? be a spy. Equipment. It's like, it's like spy tech. I feel like I'm Even, allowed wait to say. Till the, wait till the end. I'm allowed to say what I want to say. Just say it at the end. After it's he's made fair. all his judgments, you have your commentary on his judgments. So five is a robot squirrel. Uh, four would be acid squirting dildo. Mm-hmm. Uh, three would be the mm, dog collar with hidden camera. All right. And two. This is good <laughs> vodka, by the way. I'm really enjoying this martini. Have you guys heat your lemon olives yet? Oh yeah, I did. it was. Interesting, good. Delicious. Oh, I don't like the olives. I like the olives in the martini because it gives a lemon taste to the martini, but I don't like lemon in my sushi. Anyway, number two. (laughs) Number two, I think I'm going to have to do the grappling hook boots. Yeah. (laughs) It's just one boot that's a grappling hook. It's not both of them. So you got one boot and one regular boot (laughs) or or one shoe. It's actually just a boot, so you so you could forget which one it actually yeah. has the grappling hook. Well, in my it. idea was that one boot had the grappling hook, and then you just got to wear a regular shoe for the other one. <laughs> Doesn't have a match, right? Or you could just carry it around because it's a grappling hook. <laughs> it's just a giant grappling. I mean, hook you could that, even shoot it at that's someone. That's shaped like a boot, so you're just wearing a grappling. You hook see me it. shaking my head, right? I do. I'm everyone at home. Oh, horrible! I have something to say off podcast about that. Oh, and so number one is the box of Jello. Jello, yeah. So Heathen, really quick commentary, quick. What's your number one and what's your number five? Uh, number one, robot squirrel. <laughs> number five, dog collar with a hidden camera. Okay, so like not- everybody knows that robot squirrel. <laughs> That's so passe. See, with with the Come Jello, on. I can imagine myself like in a struggle with like a super villain or something and he's he's strangling yeah, me and I take seems, the pack of jello seems, and I shove no. it in his mouth mm-hmm. and then it just explodes definitely his head. Not you could James do that with Bond. the grappling hook too. Definitely not James Bond. A <laughs> yeah. robot squirrel will be like, Boo, here you go. We're Here's not your talking about need. James Bond. We're talking about gear maker Matt 005. See if it if it would have been a robot squirrel with lasers that shoot out of its eyes we then then possibly but right. i don't know That's just cool. said robot squirrel oh i forgot <laughs> to hit the five the five all right <laughs> that was the five for the youth keeping score at home last call looking at the world through the bottom of a glass all i see is a man who's fading last call uh, one chance. Any guess at the what the secret word was? It's a, a feeling. What was the movie it was based on? Love. Possibly uh, burnt. 
Oh. You had one chance. Heat. It was a feeling. Well, I guess heat is a feeling. But Hurt. Pain. I, okay, I said one chance because I'm trying to wrap this up. Remorse? You're on the right track, beer maker, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I did say this week would be Sicario. This is not Sicario, obviously. This is James Bond Spectre. Sicario may be next week. I will see that film finally. However, the podcast still could be on peanuts. No one knows. So you cannot read ahead in the book. If you want to send messages to us, 775-996-3986. Leave us a message. Give us a comment. Tell us your favorite Bond film. Tell us who's the best Bond. Tell us the, the best Bond drink. If you want to see pictures from this episode, Heathen has been taking pictures. Go to Potable Picture Show and look at pictures. Look around the site, which is not very well maintained, but there is some other stuff there to look at. Uh, tomorrow, Heathen and I will be attending another alcohol event a little bit late, which is good because we tend to drink more than someone should. Alcoholics. Yeah. Um, we five talk- to eight barrels of beers. Yeah, we'll be there late. Starts bites. at five to eight. We're not <laughs> going to get there till close to six, but still, that's two hours of free drinking, uh, which is also almost We'll be worse. there by 5.30. Anyway, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> Did I have anything else to say? I don't think I do. Heathen, any last words? Go to hell. Yeah. I get uh, a normal shift tomorrow. I don't know. A normal shit? Have you been eating your fiber? Shift. Oh. Oh, Daniel Craig cannot drive a manual. Another reason people didn't like it as the James Bond coming out. He How can you not drive a manual? I can't. I should be James Bond. Beep, beep. (laughs) Until next time, everybody, keep it wet. We should have a podcast next week. I'm not sure about the week after with Thanksgiving. We may take the week off because I don't know when we can do that podcast. Uh, Heathen will be eating her tofurkey, and I will be doing the stuffing. Keep it wet, everybody. Performing writings on the wall, it is Mr. Sam Smith! Oh
my face goo ah. and uh insert talk so full of shit wow we just drank a whole bottle of polish vodka